welcome once again. I am JT, and it feels like getting close, people, to July 4th weekend, where we're going to be uh, having a good time. So I figured I'd break out something different on the FSP Cruise Show. Instead of listening to the same old thing over and over again, jumped it back to old school. It's a disco beat. Unfortunately, disco is dead. I should say unfortunately. Fortunately, disco is dead, but I still like the beat. Decided to come up with something different to to, to uh, commemorate right. to bring out the last day in June. Believe it or not, this summer is really moving along, and we're going into July as of tomorrow. I am JT, aka the Master, and I'm as as always joined by my esteemed co-host, my fellow Jersey guy, Jeff the Joker, and we make up the FSP Cruise Show. Got a great show in store for you tonight. Uh, we got a few guys that, in fact, do like boogieing at night, and they're going to pay the price for it. Um, we're also going to talk about uh, Big Sexy. I'm going to tell, tell them like that. Big Sexy. I think Jeff may know who I'm talking about, <laughs> and, and uh, you, you will soon. Um, and uh, we're talking about uh, 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 free agency, which is going to take place as of 12 midnight on the NBA, and uh, all in this one hour. So sit back, relax, get your favorite brew. Um, a lot of people are off tomorrow, uh, starting the weekend, so uh, I'm just on a busy highway. And believe it or not, on the parkway in, in, in one of the major highways in uh, New Jersey, um, I happen to be down in South Jersey, uh, and, and really, really at the at the beach, not in, on the beach, but working at near the beach. And on my way up, bumper to bumper traffic for 30 miles, bumper to bumper traffic for 30 miles. So somebody, some bodies are starting their weekend off early. Uh, the number to call in is 347-637-3220. I'll say that again, it's 347 347- 637-3220 is a place to be if you want to talk to Jeff or me. Got a chat room sitting out there. If you want to put some questions, a comment, or a statement in there, you can also do that. Without further ado, let's bring in my esteemed co-host, Jeff the Joker, from my man from North Jersey. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Jerry. Uh, let's do the show. Okay, man. Well, in the NFL, in their infinite wisdom, and I started off this because Mr. Goodell is, is – is uh, uh, the money, man. Uh, you know, they made a movie about the money train, and as much money as Roger Goodell is bringing in, he's going to need a money train. Uh, in the year 2014, I reported on here, and everybody uh, uh, in all the news, uh, sports news, reported that Roger Goodell made $44 million in, in the year 2014. Well, you know what he made... He got a pay cut. I don't know if he got a pay cut, but it's, it's substantially substantially less than $44 million. But I can't quibble about $32 million that he made in 2015. The man is, regardless if you don't like him, if you like him or not, he is the money man. I mean, the money is rolling in for the NFL, and he's being well compensated for whatever means he's getting that money to roll in for um, each and every one of these owners. Uh, Jeff, 
your thoughts on your favorite per- one of your favorite persons, Mr. Roger Goodell. Yeah, uh, I guess you remember. I don't. I don't care for the man. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, he's lucky to still have a job. Yep. Um, I mean, he he he's been a buffoon, and uh, you know, I it's hard to have sympathy for him because you know he's getting paid a ton of money. Yep. You know, a lot of these bad decisions he gets to sleep on and he gets to consult with people. But uh, he really, with the whole player discipline thing, that's his Vietnam because he, he just bit off way more than he could chew and just wouldn't let go and kept doubling down. And uh, I'm surprised the owners haven't got rid of him. I mean, and everybody says, oh, well, the the revenues have gone up, you know, while he's been commissioner, it's like that. That there was decades of growth before that. It's not like all of a sudden Goodell came in and turned the league around. The league was making a ton of money before he became commissioner. Yep. Um, I guess though, maybe he still has the job. I mean, yeah, I think he's when it comes to the owners and Goodell. Goodell's one of the boys. He's one of those guys, you know, old money, mm-hmm. and those guys take care of each other. So I. And he is friends with some of these guys, which doesn't make him look very partial. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, this man's an attorney. You think he'd understand things like due process, but he he, he must have missed that day in law school, you know. Um, Like the whole concept of appeals, you know, that he doesn't get that either. Uh, I I wonder if these owners are reluctant to change commissioners because, you know, I think since 1960 they've had three. Rizel, you know, who was commissioner for almost 30 years, Tagliabue, who had a fairly long tenure, and now Goodell. Um, right. so, and Goodell's a young guy, too. He's not a real old guy. so Yeah. Uh, unless, but, he really, uh, unless he really screws up, he's going to be there for a while. But, much it, you know, somebody like him getting paid that much money who screws up so badly, it's hard to have a lot of pity for. And believe me, he's still laughing his way all the way to the bank. So, um you know, I can say what I want about him, but you know, he's a zillionaire, and you know, and, and you know, uh, I'm not. So yeah, whatever. Yep. Well, Jeff, I hope you uh, are starting to celebrate a little earlier this 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 week, um, the Fourth of July, because one of your teams in the NFL East uh, didn't do so well um, with a, a couple of their players. Talking about um, Demarcus Marcus Lawrence, who NFL upheld uh, a four-game suspension, and then Rolando McLean, who gets suspended, and he took both these guys on an NFC East team, meaning the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, he gets suspended for ten games. So, and, and these guys are defensive players. They're not offensive players. They're not skilled players, but they're defensive players. And um, the Dallas Cowboys need as many defensive players and, and good defensive players as, as they can get in order to be able to compete from week to week when the 2016 NFL season starts. Ten games for the Rolando McLean, four games for Demarcus Lawrence. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, you know, McLean. I mean, hasn't he already retired twice? But I think he was starting to look like he got his act together on the field. You know, right? Oh, and, right. Uh, uh, 
Also, uh, uh, from your former uh, favorite team, uh, Sheldon Richardson got suspended, which I would have been mm-hmm. shocked oh. if he wasn't because of an off-season incident uh, mm-hmm. in Missouri. And he, uh, a free agent got suspended, um, Manziel. And, and I would be shocked if an NFL team signed him because, uh, you know, this guy's a, a train wreck. And, and he, he just doesn't get it. I, I mean, uh, I hope he doesn't end up dead. Uh, that's first and foremost, and uh, I, I would be shocked if he got another chance in the NFL. If he ever did, he'd have to do something like stay, you know, stay sober for at least a few days. Um, I mean, the, the guy just doesn't get it, and, and you know, maybe uh, have videos of him working out and you know being able to put a sentence together, and uh, he'd probably have to go to Canada or the Arena League or something. Just to prove he, you know, uh, he could keep it together, you know, for a little while, and, and you know, uh, but until that happens, uh, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, he's gonna continue to be a free agent. Well, that's true. That's true too. But the good news is this: Did you hear? Did you hear that Johnny Manziel? Quite naturally, you heard that he's going to get suspended for four games for substance abuse. And that's just for substance abuse. Now, he's got some other things going on that could possibly give him some more uh, uh, games whenever he, when and if he ever goes to another team. Um, but Johnny Manziel said this, that as of the first, which is tomorrow, um, he plans to get sober. Now, I don't know how much that that's going to, he's going to hold true to that. I don't know if he's going to actually uh, go somewhere, uh, a treatment center or something like that, which I do believe he probably needs. Um, but uh, as of the, tomorrow, supposedly Johnny Manziel is going to um, kick aside the drugs and whatever else that, that uh, he's been uh, doing that's mind-altering and uh, um, try to claw his way back in playing for the NFL. Now, quite naturally, like you said, I don't look for him to be a viable option for anybody uh, in, in a year 2016. I think he's probably going to point, uh, 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 make a target to try to latch on to a team uh, in the year 2017. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be successful. Um, I don't know if he had to get whatever he wanted to get out of his system, and he can turn it around. Me, myself, Jeff, I didn't think this guy was NFL-caliber quarterback from the beginning. I expressed that to you and to uh, Mike uh, um, when he first got drafted, uh, or even before he got drafted. Uh, Our other esteemed colleague was uh, uh, very much on the hype train of uh, Johnny Manziel. Before what I saw, saw he was strictly a college quarterback and not an NFL caliber quarterback, especially a starting quarterback. And uh, with the bad rap and bad bad uh, press that he's gotten over the last season, um, I kind of doubt that any team. Not, it could be wrong. It only takes one. There's 30, 32 teams out there that would take a chance on him and, and bring him in as a I don't think he's going to be starting anywhere as a backup somewhere. Um, but to me, it's a long shot. And if his 
quest to go sober uh, and then try to get latch on to a team and it doesn't work out, does he fall right back into the abyss of what he's been doing up until this point? Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, he's probably uh, going to be <laughs> boozing it up and drugging it up up until midnight of uh, uh, the 30th. I guess that's, that's tonight. Yeah, and then right. the, the, the way this guy is, you know, there'll be a video on on, uh, on the Internet, on social media, of him boozing it up on the 4th of July because, you know, I don't want to sound like a geezer, but these millennials, they couldn't rob a bank without videotaping it and sharing it with 10,000 of their closest personal friends. I mean, some of these kids are a little slow, you know. They don't get it, you know. They don't know. They don't realize. They don't get the concept of privacy, you know. Um, it's a foreign concept, you know. Hey, I woke up in the morning, went to the bathroom. Let, let me tell people about it. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, did so, I, I, I broke some laws today. Let me tell people about it, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He's one of those. And, uh, you know, I think sobriety might be the worst 15 minutes of his life, you know. I mean, uh hate to make a joke about something like that, but, uh, hey, that's why they call me the joker. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's I, – I wasn't – I mean, you can't be. I wasn't 100% sure whether or not he could be a starting caliber NFL quarterback. I thought he would be at least a decent backup, but he messed that up. And the thing is, I would have liked to seen him, you know, with his act together, at least have a real shot. You know, I mean, he played a few games for Cleveland, but, uh, you know, his NFL career might be over and, you know, it's, it's, it stinks when guys don't get a shot, but Hey, he brought that on himself. So I can't feel too bad Mm -hmm. for this guy. And and you get more chances when you're a first round pick. Uh, You know, believe me, if, if he, if he wasn't, you know, they, they would have cut him earlier. Um, You know, because who knows? He, he could have been entertaining. I I was thinking maybe he could have been like, uh, you know, like a Michael Vick who, uh, you know, at times was a very uh, fun to watch player. And I was hoping Manziel would be that entertaining type player. Um, and, you know, hey, you know, uh, a lot of other people have had substance issues, but uh, they've made a better effort to, to try to clean up. And, you know, it's like a big joke to this guy. He doesn't get it. And, you know, uh, pro sports is such a special opportunity. You know, uh, when he wakes up at 30 and hasn't played in years and realize, or whatever, oh, wow, I, you know, I could have played in the league. Oops, at that point. You blew it, you know. You're not you're not yep. getting another shot, you know. You yep. and you know you, you get a limited window, and uh, you know he's had his chances, and uh, you know and you know he's got besides the sobriety, I think he uh, he's got the the uh, domestic violence issue. Uh, so uh, you know you can't say you know with the with the drugs and the alcohol, you could say well. He's just hurting himself, but uh, unfortunately, he he hurt somebody else, and uh, yep. you know that that you know that I got a problem with that, I and mean, a lot of other people got a problem with that. So, you know, uh, this guy's this guy's got a lot of problems, and he just doesn't seem to get it. Yeah, well, and and, and believe it, you probably heard this too that his dad, his father, said he needs to go to jail, um, to I guess to probably say, try to save his life uh, from spiraling further out of control. Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know if he's hit rock bottom. I don't know if, if, you know, what, 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 uh, brought him this epiphany that as of tomorrow that he's going to, uh, 
uh, go on, ride the straight and narrow. Um, but uh, we'll see. I mean, he's he's said this before. This is not a, a new story. This is not a, a um, this is this is a rerun, in my opinion. And we'll see how long it lasts. Uh, I'm not discounting that he, he's not, he's not going to to try it. Um, it's just a matter of being able to succeed. I, I thought he was a spoiled rich kid coming out of college. I still think he's a spoiled rich kid. Um, and a lot of them have, don't have a tendency to get it uh, because they, everything has been handed to him from the beginning and uh, or, or washed over or, or he's been protected. And uh, quite naturally, um, it, it may be at the point, you never know what his mind's thinking. I can't think for him that he, he says, you know, I can't keep doing this. Um, it's got to end somewhere. And I don't want it to end with me in a pine box. Um, I want it to end uh, with me getting my life together and see if I can make something out for myself in the NFL. We'll wait and see what happens. Um, he, he's been down this road before, so we'll see uh, if, he, if he can straighten himself out. And if he does, God bless him. Um, I don't think he's going to have a real long career if he ever gets a, a shot back into the NFL. But we'll see what happens. All right. Speaking of drugs, speaking of substance abuse, the NFL um, is trying to, based on an Al Jazeera uh, America uh, report um, uh, last year, um, The NFL, in the infinite wisdom, wants to interview four players from the NFL. Three of them are current uh, NFL players. One of them is a uh, a free agent. Three of them happen to be uh, Green Bay Packers. And one, unfortunately for the NFL, is James Harrison from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, James Harrison, before I get to this letter that the, uh, this article that, uh, about the, uh, NFLPA and what they want, uh, James Harrison, if you didn't hear about this, Jeff, um, they're all supposed to get interviewed. I think, uh, uh, Mike, uh, Neil is supposed to get interviewed, uh, in three weeks, July 22nd. The other, um, players are supposed to get, um, interviewed uh, the first day of their training camp. Uh, James Harrison said, you ain't interviewing me the first day of training camp. You want to interview me? You interview me at home. And if in that interview, I want to see Roger Goodell face-to-face. That's, that's what James Harrison said uh, not too long ago about uh, uh, what he thinks about this, this interview process. Uh, the NFL sent a letter to the NFL this week demanding sufficient, credible evidence from the league if they want to interview four players implicated as users of performance-enhancing drugs in a report by Al Jazeera America last year. The league responded to that letter on Thursday, and they predictably took a different view of the matter. Lindsey Jones of the USA Today reports that NFL Senior Vice President of Labor Affairs, Aldolfo Birch, sent a letter to the union calling their assistance calling their stance regarding interviews with Steelers linebacker, like I said, James Harrison from the Steelers, Clay Matthews 
Julius Peppers, who are um, current players with the Packers, and ex-Packer linebacker Mike O'Neill, fundamentally at odds with the CBA when it comes to the standard the league needs to meet to begin an investigation. While we readily agree that such evidence is required to support the imposition of discipline, nothing in the CBA or the policy imposes such a requirement before possible violations of the policy may be investigated, Birch wrote. Obviously, the standard that you advocate, that the league cannot undertake an investigation unless and until it has established the facts and claims to be investigated, would simply ensure that there would be no investigations at all. For the same reason, we are under no obligation to disclose all evidence uncovered thus far as a condition to interviewing the players, which would clearly clearly compromise the investigation. Birch added that active NFL players have an obligation to cooperate with league investigations and may be disciplined for failing to do so. And then the NFLPA spokesman, George Atala, told Jones that the NFLPA had not received the letter yet and therefore had no comment. Your thoughts, Jeff? I know you know about this. Talk to me. Yeah, you know, um, you know, it comes down to due process, you know. And of these guys who are suspected, the one who kind of stands out for me, and there's no proof, is um, Clay Matthews. Because, uh, okay. you know, it, it, when it, he put on a lot of bulk in college. He started USC as an undersized linebacker. And I know you could put on muscle, but it is hard, you know. And, uh, I mean, it, it, I don't know. He He's the one who kind of stands out, but there's no proof. And, and the problem is with the PEDs, you know, they keep coming up with ways to mask the PEDs, and then the testers have to keep up, and it's a big business, so there are guys who can get away with it. But, you know, I'm against the PEDs, of course, because uh, for a lot of reasons it's dangerous and it's cheating. And, you know, uh, if you're, you're trying to make it, you know, you're trying to keep your starting job, you're trying to make a team, and your competition is on the PEDs, then – that might cause some guys to take them. And then if you're uh, playing against guys on PEDs, that causes guys to take them. And it stinks for the clean guys. So, uh, you know, if these guys are dirty, let's get them busted. But, you know, we, you know, we have a due process. So uh, you got to go through that. And I'd hate to see it become, you know, like baseball, where it seemed in the 90s the union was more concerned about protecting the cheaters than all the guys who weren't cheating. I'd hate to see that happen. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, move on from um, off the field to on the field. Uh, we talked about a lot about guys doing illegal things on the field. Let's talk about teams doing um, or being, I wouldn't say unique, but since the league has changed the uh, way that the after point, the after um, touchdown the uh, extra point or extra points has been um, changed where they moved the goalposts, not goalposts, they moved the kicker back 15 yards, and um, they've uh, improved the way you can get two points. Uh, Over the last week in the NFL, multiple coaches and quarterbacks have talked about the possibility of going for two after almost every touchdown. 
Now, quite naturally, no one has come out right out and said his team is going to go for two most of the time. Uh, in fact, no team in the history of the NFL or in the major college football has ever gone for two most of the time. Last year, last year and I didn't know this, but I saw the this, this, uh, statistics. Last year, the Steelers were about as close as any team has come to making two-point conversions to norm. But even the Steelers kicked more than three times more uh, more than three times as often as they went for two. Finished in the season with 34 extra point attempts and 11 two-point conversion attempts, and I think they they were the uh, they were the leaders in that, if I'm not mistaken. I think they went for two points conversion the most. Um, last year, the kickers went for 1,146 for uh, one. 1,217, um, which is 94% on extra points, while the offenses went for 45 for 94, which is 47.9% on two-point conversions. In other words, an extra point kick produced on average of uh, 0.942 points, while a two-point conversion attempt produced an average of uh, 0.958 points. Always a slight risk... Uh, well, there's an, always a slight risk to outweigh the regard, rewards of going for two. Some teams have good short yardage offense and or a bad kicker, and other teams are vice versa. So, Jeff, uh, you you got uh, your team, the New York Giants. You got a very good kicker. Um, you have a very good offense. I don't know the statistics of their um, um, going for two points. The Steelers, who converted eight of their 11 two-point attempts and 32 of their 34 one-point attempts. So the Steelers score, scored 1.5 points per two-point try and just under nine, uh, one point, point nine points per one-point try. So they were forfeiting more than a half a point on average every time they sent their kicker onto the field after a touchdown. So what's your thoughts on teams uh, I know Ben Roethlisberger had had came out come out and said that he wanted to go for a two points every 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 uh, every uh, for every after every touchdown. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that, but they're they're one of the leaders uh, in the NFL for going two points. What's your thoughts? You know, um, it does make the game a little more interesting. Um, I mean, as far as Giants go, uh, they. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, they they don't go for two very often. And when they do, they don't seem to be successful very often. Um, but now, I guess, with, you know, pushing back the extra point, teams have more incentive to work on their, uh, you know, conversion play from the two-yard line. Um, you know, I thought that'd be a good play for, uh, you know, uh, a very mobile quarterback Teams don't like doing it, but if they had a backup quarterback who could run the option, that could be a guy who they could bring in for uh, two-point conversions. Um, I'm surprised Belichick didn't go for more two-pointers, but you know, or or someone like him, uh, someone who thinks outside the box. But who knows? He could be working on a strategy, and uh, he he could do it a bunch next year. You never know. Um, but uh, I don't know. It, it it has made the game more interesting because there were times in the past. Where I mean the the you know from the two yard line the extra point was practically automatic, 
you'd sometimes go to the bathroom after a touchdown. Now you got to hold it because you, you want to see if they're going to go for two or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's uh, stay on the subject of football. And let's talk about this because I found this pretty interesting. And, and, and this, is, this is ironic because uh, Vic and I, on Saturday, we're going through each, uh, um, each division in the NFL. Um, this past week we went to the AFC East, uh, and we, you know, we we picked uh, what we who we thought was going to win a division and the records of each one of these teams. And quite naturally, uh, we talked about the Buffalo Bills, who are in the AFC East, and Rex Ryan. And I said, if Rex Ryan doesn't make the playoffs, uh, I think he's going to be gone. Vic Vic questioned that. And I said, well, I know he's only been there for this will be his second season in the um, AFC uh, with the Bills. But uh, um, I think that if he doesn't make any uh, headway, especially getting into the playoffs, because the Bills haven't made the playoffs in God knows how long, that he may be gone. And lo and behold, I see an article on profootballtalk.com uh, and it had uh, it had the uh, one of the most popular, if not the most the popular most popular uh, Bill uh, Hall of Famer Bill Jim Kelly said a few weeks ago that Rex Ryan and I didn't see this until now. Uh, so when I made that statement on this past Saturday, I did not see this until now. And it said a few weeks ago that Rex Ryan had to make the playoffs or else he'll get fired. Ryan didn't exactly sound thrilled about that, although he wisely avoided getting into a war of words with the most popular player in franchise history. Privately, Ryan and Kelly have communicated, and Kelly said there are no problems between the two of them. Yeah, we already text, Kelly said via uh, Sal Cappuccino of WGR 550. That's all good. It might seem a little inelegant for a player of Kelly's stature to talk about his former team's coach getting fired, but Kelly was probably right. Ryan had better win this year, or else Kelly will be talking about different Bills coach, a different Bills coach next year. Now, I had said this, and I, that there's high expectations for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I also had said that if you look at the Rex Ryan's defense over the last three seasons, and I keep saying this, I said it uh, last year. Not yeah, I said it last year. I said it the year before, and it's been holding true. For the last three seasons, including the first season with the Buffalo Bills, Rex Ryan's defense has gone um, uh, downhill. Um, three seasons ago, his, his defense was getting torched. Uh, the season before he left the Jets, last season when he was with the Jets, his, his, uh, uh, um, his pass defense was absolutely horrible. And I know that he went to this team and he has to change the personnel to fit his defense. But it seemed like whatever the problems were with the defense the last two seasons with the Jets carried over to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Mario Williams is no longer there. Um, but uh, it seemed like the coach has moved and so has the troubles with his defense. Talk to me, Jeff. I'll tell you, though, um, I thought Rex got a raw deal in New York because uh, he, I don't think he had nearly enough talent his last year in New York. 
and, and then they fire him because I, I don't think Vince Lombardi could have won with that group of guys. Um, then they fire him, and then when he's gone, the the GM or whoever starts uh, spending money like it's uh, that movie uh, Brewster's Millions. You ever see that? You know, <laughs> like uh, uh-huh. and, and Rex, you know, who can be outspoken at times, he took the high road, and uh, this year there'll be a very familiar face uh, coordinating uh, the defense for the Bills. And sometimes it takes a team a year to to get a, a new offense, a new defense. Uh, that's why I hate when some of these teams change co- offensive coordinators every year. How, how's a young quarterback supposed to develop with, with you know, in that situation? So, uh, you know, Rex's twin brother, Rob, is going to be a coordinator in Buffalo. And uh, I think people expected a little more from the Buffalo defense last year based on the talent and based on Rex. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they could surprise some people. And unfortunately... Uh, Rex's legendary father passed away this week. Um, yep. What was that? Two days ago, I think it was. And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he, he was not a great head coach, but it, just based on uh, as a coordinator, he, you know, he might belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, he was that outstanding of a coordinator. And another le- legendary coach passed on the same day, uh, Pat Summit. Yeah. You know the the female John Wooden, so uh, it was a tough day for coaches. Yeah, and I, I, I got to say that um, I'm you know I'm a fan of uh, women's basketball, and uh, for a while Pat Summit as the coach of the uh, Lady Vols was the gold standard um, of uh, women's basketball coaching um, until Gina Yuriyama came on the scene. Um, and and uh, took it to another level, uh, but she withstood a lot. Um, she did a lot for her the Tennessee women's vol- vol- volunteers um, in that program. Uh, brought that program for literally nowhere to um, national prominence. Uh, what did she win? Eight national titles, if I'm not mistaken, yep. like that. Yep. And she, That's right. And she and she's won um, more than any other basketball coach, male or female, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, and uh, tough coach. Uh, I listened to a few players on on, on the TV that, that were interviewed. Some of them uh, were really fighting back tears because um, they, she meant so much to them. Uh, one of the friends of our show. Um, she was on it for a short time, uh, not on our show, but she had her own show for a short time, Sylvia Crawley, who used to, was, played for the University of North Carolina. Um, I saw this on Facebook, and, and it was really surprising that um, I'm trying, I want to make sure I get this story right, that um, she reached out to Pat um, Summit to to I guess get some um, advice on coaching, and from what I understand, that uh, Pat Summit had been following from afar Sylvia Crawley and, and what what she's been up to, and, and throughout her uh, I guess her her quest to be a coach, and um, helped her get the Boston College. Um, uh, coaching 
so you never know who's watching you. You never know who's uh, uh, um, in your corner. Um, when you least expect it, it comes out that uh, something like that, that uh, Pat Summit was a, a mentor of uh, Sylvia Crawley, who's now a, a, a basketball coach. And I, I'm not sure if it's Boston College. I forget where, where she's at right now. Um, but uh, she's in the head, head coaching ranks in uh, Division One basketball. So um, she touched a lot of people. Uh, she was an extremely tough, tough coach, extremely demanding. Uh, when you win that much and when you win eight national titles, regardless if it's male, uh, male or female, um, college basketball titles, it doesn't make a difference. You've got to be a tough coach. Uh, You've got to be a no-nonsense coach and demand uh, the absolute best from your players. And she did that. And uh, God rest her soul, she's uh, going to a better place. Um, Buddy Ryan uh, is a, you know, I, I don't think he was the best best person, especially um, dealing with um, uh, fellow coaches or whatever in, in, in his um, his heyday when he was a either a head coach, offensive coordinator. Look at Kevin Gilbride when he was with the Oilers; they came the fisticuffs. Um, and, uh, but his legacy, believe it or not, Jeff lives on. Now there is a defensive coordinator, controversial at at times, um, he paid for it. That was a, a, um, coach under Buddy Ryan and helped, uh, Buddy Ryan helped mentor him to be the defensive coach that he is today. Uh, can you name that coach? Um, Jeff Fisher. Uh, no. But or or Ron Rivera. No. Well, Buddy Ryan, and, and let's let's talk about Ron Rivera. And it's not Ron Rivera, but I'll tell you who it is. Uh, Ron Rivera told me told told the story on the NFL Network. Now, when he was a rookie, um, Buddy Ryan pulled him next to him on the sidelines, and um, pretty much schooled him and told him what was going on on, de- on the defense and hand signals. Um, basically taught him game situations and hand signals, where you're supposed to be, what you're thinking at this time, uh, down the distance. Um, so he early on, when he was a rookie, Ron Rivera was a rookie, Buddy Ryan was um, schooling this guy on how to be a very good player and a, I guess, possible coach. But the guy I'm talking about, like I said, this was a controversial coach. That was the key. He was a controversial coach. Talking about Greg Williams. Greg Williams, he always used to call Buddy Ryan, and I'm trying to think, let me get this, on Memorial Day. This is what he said. He always used to call Buddy Ryan on Memorial Day, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, you know, they ask him how he's doing and all, and and Buddy Ryan would tell him that, uh, you know, give him a little tidbit more of what he's going to didn't happen to call him this past Memorial Day because he was too sick, I guess, to answer the phone. But he used to call him every day, I mean, every year on Memorial Day. But Buddy Ryan taught Greg Williams uh, the 46 defense and how to, you know, how to be a defensive coordinator. And he carries some of that to this day. Um, um, and he 
got a little choked up when they were talking about him on the NFL Network because um, you, you, some of these guys, you know, they, they're gruff. Um, they seem like they're um, have bad personalities, not the type of person they really want to uh, associate with. But they have brilliant minds, and they share that uh, knowledge to um, a lot of uh, players and uh, coaches. And you wouldn't know it until something like this happens, like a Pat Summit, like a uh, Buddy Ryan passing away, that these these players and coaches come out and saying, "This is what he." what uh, they share with me or this is what we used to, I used to do with um, uh, Pat Summit or, or Buddy Ryan um, uh, the moments we shared or how many times we talked um, whether after a game or during a week of a, uh, um, the uh, football season or women's basketball season um, doesn't seem to come out until um, they pass away so um, you, you got to believe that. Well, look at the guys that are from that famed defense. Mike Singletary just got hired uh, by um, Jeff Fisher, his old, old, uh, old teammate. Um, uh, and uh, he's going to be a defensive, um, I forget what they call him, uh, consultant. Um, and I know Mike, Mike, uh, did I say Mike Dicker? I mean Mike Singletary, uh, and he's going to. Um, uh, I know he was dying to get back into the NFL. He hadn't been in the NFL since uh, uh, he got fired, from what I understand. So, um, but these guys uh, on a famed defense, you figure they would have some type of knowledge. Some of these guys like a Mike Singletary, is a Hall of Fame player. Uh, and a lot of these guys can't relate to or, or relate the information or have the tolerance to give the information and be patient with a player or players because they, they, they've done it in a, such a high level and some of these players are not at their level. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know um... – it does happen sometimes that sometimes the great players are not great coaches or great executives. And, they, you know, there's for various reasons. Uh, there, there are exceptions, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess they should call something, I don't know, like, you know, Isaiah Thomas syndrome. Uh, but, you know, he's not the only one, just probably one of the worst. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, B- Buddy kind of, a lot of his – players and former assistants, you know, became head coaches. And, uh, you know, Buddy had his good points. And uh, he he kept a low profile in his retirement. You know, I think he was busy raising horses. And also uh, he spent a lot of time caring for uh, his wife who had Alzheimer's, who uh, she passed away a few years ago. And uh, he spent a lot of time taking care of her. And, uh, you know, Buddy was very well liked by his players. And... There was a great story when he was head coach of Philly uh, during uh, the strike. He sided with the players, which he might have been the only coach, head coach, who publicly did that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, 
during one of the Eagles' preseason games, uh, uh, he uh, let three of his star players, I think it was um, Randall Cunningham, Reggie White, and uh, maybe somebody else, uh, quietly leave during halftime. Now, we're not talking just taking them out of the game. Like, guys hitting the shower, putting on street clothes, and leaving. Eh, you know why? Because they were invited to Whitney Houston's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> and, you see, the league hates that sort of thing because every year they send a memo to teams that, you know, don't call these exhibition games. These are preseason. You're supposed to make every effort to win and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, they, they could send that memo until they're blue in the face. You know, they know the truth. And, you know, uh, the press kind of figured it out when you don't, you don't see three-star players in uniform on the sideline in the second half. And I guess people saw him at the party and word got around. And Buddy said, you know, uh, hey, you know, these are my guys. They, they really don't need the preseason. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, Whitney Houston's a you know, pretty lady and a good singer. So, uh, you know, what's the problem, you know? <laughs> and, I hear you. Uh, uh, Buddy was uh, – you know, he he was something. Uh, but, you know, the problem was, you know, a great coordinator, not a great head coach. He did have some success in Philly. Uh, because, but, you know, head coach is different because you got to deal with both sides of the ball and you have to deal right. with other things. And then um, I think in Arizona he became head coach there and they let him have uh, input over personnel. And, uh, you know, I, I think in this NFL, you know, uh, I think you need more checks and balances. You need, I think, a head coach and a GM are on the same page. But I don't know if I want a head coach making a lot of the personnel decisions. Uh, and uh, it didn't work out as well in Arizona. So uh, he only lasted two seasons there. Yep. They just just look at the – well, I mean, that's not the first time. It won't be the last time, quite naturally, uh, uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, let's try, try to go that route and realize that uh, the, the head office, the um, – um, the owner of uh, uh, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles um, had to let, let Chip Kelly go because he just screwed up the personnel, um, meaning the guys on the field, players, uh, with his moves of getting rid of some high-caliber players. All right, let's move on. we got about uh, 12 minutes, 12 minutes or so left in the show. And um, then a quote from Guy. And uh, this is his quote. I don't care what people think. I love myself. So they can shove it up there, you know what. Talking about a Big Sexy. And I call him Big Sexy because he's over 300, 350 pounds. Um, he plays now. He used to play for the New England Patriots. But he plays now uh, for the um, my um, Houston Texans. He happens to be a nose tackle, and that nose tackle, I'm looking at it right now, is, um, and it's, it, I guess it's a new trend. Let me put it this way. It's a new trend because the full, I'm trying to think what magazine he was on, uh, where the full-figured woman was on the magazine and then also within the pages of that magazine with full-figured uh, women as models. Versus the ideal uh, size zero model uh, sitting on the front of a magazine and, and expect uh, women 
of all ages and sizes to aspire to be a size zero. Well, on ESPN, the Body Magazine, uh, quite naturally, all the all the all, all the um, athletes that appear in the Body um, each year for ESPN, all all nude. Um, quite naturally, they don't show any any of their uh, parts, but they're all nude. They tasteful pictures, and usually they have someone on the, on the front that is a very and I'm not saying that Big Sexy is not athletic, but it looks more like a a well-chiseled athlete versus um, what is going to be featured on ESPN Body 2016 magazine, which is the 350-pound Vince Wolfhard um, in, in, in all his glory. Uh, and uh, very proud of it. And uh, he should be. Because uh, not everybody's made out to look like um, uh, a uh, well-chiseled uh, six-pack type of athlete. Um, and Vince Wolfork is definitely not that. Vince Wolfork, uh on the body, excuse me, ESPN 2016 Body Magazine uh, front cover. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I mean... He's not a nose tackle. He's a gut tackle, and yes. he, he doesn't have a six pack. He's got the keg. But but I remember <laughs> uh, a few years ago when he you know before he had that big injury with the Patriots, uh, he was one of the the league leaders in a number of plays for the season, which yep. you know uh, you know usually a guy his size people automatically <laughs> assume uh, his conditioning. But and I know it's not like you got to play two ways, but still. Uh, there's linemen sometimes, uh, you know, they they get out of shape and they got to leave the game. And he was a guy who stayed in there. And, uh, you know, I think it was on Hard Knocks. They showed him playing hoops, and he can move. Yes, you he know? can. So Very athletic he, guy he, for his size. He really can. And uh, you see his wife, she's, she's a little stocky for a ball player's wife. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, his kids were probably like, when they, I think he's got at least a, you know one child. Probably was born, kid was probably about ten inches, but weighed twenty pounds. You know, I'd love to see right. that kid. Right. Uh, you know, uh, be some uh, interesting uh, prospects in the future. Uh, but uh, yeah, big big Vince is uh, he's light on his feet. He he, he can move. So uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, it, it definitely got a lot of publicity, uh, him, him making the cover. So, yeah, he's a cover boy. And I think he said something. He, he, he's he's uh, very close friends with Tom Brady. That uh, He he wants uh, Giselle to call him about some modeling uh, opportunities. Uh, uh, <laughs> hope he's not holding his breath. But, uh, hey, he, he's the real deal as a player, that's for sure. Well, let me put it this way. You know, it, it, it's refreshing to see a guy that is is comfortable in his own skin at, at the, the size he is and is not afraid to flaunt it. And I got to, I got to give it to him. Um, not too many, uh, male or female. Um, I mean, there are some out there and, and I think the, uh, the females, I got to give it to them. They're more, um, um, now more, uh, liable to do it than a male that would would do what he's done and 
um, taking it all off and showing the confidence that he, that he has in himself with uh, not a stitch of clothes on and, 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 and the only thing that's covering himself is his own skin. So um, got to ha- hand it to him. Big Sexy is, is, uh, is uh, feeling it, and, and God bless him. All right, we're going to cut this uh, uh, show short, Jeff. Um, we got about seven minutes left in the show, which is not a big deal. Um, is there anything that we possibly missed that you want to cover before we get well, out of here? Uh, on a positive note, uh, Mike Tyson uh, celebrated his 50th birthday. I think uh, he's a guy who had a lot of problems, but uh, I think he's mellowed with age and uh, found his peace. And uh, the NF, uh, the NBA free agency is uh, starting, and uh, I think uh, about that. The, in, in NBA the uh, off season might be more important than a regular season. So uh, everybody's wondering what the Knicks are going to do. Uh, also, there's some big name players like Kevin. Uh, Durant, and uh, of course the Knicks made a big trade uh, to get Derrick Rose. So everybody in right. the New York area is talking about that. And and supposedly, supposedly one of his teammates is going to follow him 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 uh, to New York. High high energy, uh, very enthusiastic, and probably be a fan favorite in in uh, New York. Is the he's already Noah. a fan favorite in New York because he's from New York. Yeah. Right. So, so I mean, I mean, now, now he's going to be, if he, if they find him, he's going to be on the Knicks. So, if, rather than see him only when Chicago comes into the Garden, they're going to see him on a night uh, on a uh, what forty-one games uh, out of the eighty-two that they play. So, um, he'll, he'll be that much more of a fan favorite. So, we have to wait and see what's going to happen. I know the Knicks are supposed to, supposedly going to have a audience with Kevin Durant. Um, he's he. That's probably the most high-profile um, and, and big catch of this year's free agency um, is Kevin Durant. Uh, in my thoughts, uh, since we got about the five minutes left, in my thoughts, um, I, he, he's looking for a max deal. Only way he's going to get a max deal and with the most money is if he goes back to to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, uh, he would be leaving quite a bit of money on the table if he goes to another team. Um, they did make some moves to try to entice Kevin Durant to stay home uh, versus um, take his talents, like LeBron would say, to another team. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, come three hours from now, uh, when, the Scott, when, when the clock strikes 12 midnight, whether uh, he... Uh, if there's going, if there's a strong chance that he leaves or he stays in OKC, anything else that you uh, need to uh, want to address before we vamoose um, uh, out of here? I think that's it. Tune in next All week. Right. All right. Well, hey uh, Jeff, enjoy the uh, uh, up and coming holiday weekend. Uh, be safe, um, but have a good time uh, in whatever you do, and uh, we will talk. Uh, again, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday, people. That's where you see the FSP crew show. Me and Jeff will hold it down every Thursday. Unless there's unforeseen circumstances, we, we won't be here. But next week, we will be here. With all that being said, uh, enjoy the weekend. Be safe. And we're out of here. <laughs>